0: Welcome to Pixel Tunes Radio, a podcast where we have fun talking about video games and video game music. I am Mike, and I am Ed, and we are talking about ending themes. Yes, this is the last track you hear.
1: This whole show is the end of the show. This, wait, what? What? No, that's not how it goes. <laughs> that's not the. This is not the end. All right, for this us. whole show is an end. Yeah. Wait, what? We're beginning with the end and we're ending with the end. Okay. Every single song is an end. Oh, sure. That's the way it goes. Okay. All right. I'm just going to stop listening to you. Good. Nobody else does.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So with us, we have a special guest today, and we're going to introduce him in just a minute, but I believe that we have some things to talk about. Yeah, we
1: have the results of our episode 41. Oh, my. Free pick. Free pick. Where we had you guys, or asked you guys to vote on your favorite no, tracks. No, we had them. We had them. We guns demanded. We held light gun zappers to their heads. Yes,
0: we were like, we were you're gonna, gonna make do this, this clicking
1: sound for 30 uh, minutes. I'm if gonna you kill don't you vote on our track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so can I have a drum roll?
2: The winner of episode 41's contest was.
1: It's a tie. Morgan. Morgan did not win. She won. No. No, she did. No, she didn't. She did. She all right. She twerked her all little right. heart away. So anyways, we had 12 voters came out and voted for us, which is less than 5% of our Come on, guys. Days. Come on. Now I know how the American government feels on election day. <sighs> but we really appreciate the people that did put their picks in. Thank you very much. Uh, even though it was a tie, we are going to go through the individual... Subcategories that we had, and we're yes. going to let you guys know what the vote counts were per each song. So our first category was Sonic Rip-Offs and that was uh, Mike's pick, which was Socket, and my pick, which was High Seas Havoc. And it looks like it was fairly heavily leaned in Mike's direction on Listen, this one. So Socket got nine votes, and High Seas Havoc ended up with three votes. That little duck with his rainbow beanie, he just... He, he electric-ducked it all he up. He electric-ducked his... Your face off. It's fine. Yeah. High seas havoc. Like I said, it's a more subdued track. Socket's a little more energetic. High seas havoc. More like high seas tragic.
0: Cause you lost tragically. I'll show you where to shove that socket, <laughs> Mr. Michael.
1: All right. Why don't you uh, go through our next the, category?
0: The next category is special guest appearances. Appearances, right? Yeah. 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 And uh, so the two tracks were the YY World 2 track. What was it called? Run Rickle, and then uh, the pair of Moji P10 from the Moji P10 game. Correct. And I won that one as well. YY World 2 won out barely, just barely. Seven votes Seven versus
1: five for Ed. That's all I got to say about That's that. One. Go. So know. the next category was the songs you can twerk to category, and it was Mike's Morgan theme from Darkstalkers 3 versus my Blinks 2 track from right. the Xbox. And uh, you know, people just don't like watching Morgan twerk. I won out, eight votes to four. You know what it is? People didn't close their eyes.
0: They didn't close their eyes and imagine Morgan twerking. That's what it was. People <laughs> were like, "That's dumb. I'm not gonna do that." And then they just. You know, I blame thing,
1: you. But the internet loves cats. I,
0: I, that's true. That is true. So
1: that is true. Twerking does not beat out cats.
0: The next category is Genesis games with foreign titles, and my track was from Eleviento, and uh, the other track was from Chelnov Atomic Runner, and uh, you'll be happy to know that I won that one eight to four. That one surprised me because yeah, I no, really thought Chelnov was going to have a bigger. Showing. I'm that. with you on that. I really like that Elviento track, but I think going back and re listening to your track, I really like your track. Like, if I was voting in this, I would have voted for yours.
1: Well, thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. What's our next category? Our next was uh, the, the indie games you need to play category, right. which was the Gianna Sisters DS game versus Axiom Verge. And that was a tie. That was a dead tie. I am
0: shocked at that one because I really thought that you. We're gonna win that one, to be honest with you. Because a lot of people came out and voted Axiom
1: Verge. And right was, off the bat, yeah. Right yeah. off the
0: bat, like boom, boom, boom. And then a couple of people were like, who? Huh? Yeah,
1: uh, you know, the more I listen to the Gianna Sisters track, the more I realize that I think Chris Holsbeck was going for an Amiga right. sound, a very Amiga sound. Yeah, yeah. And once I listen to it in that kind of capacity, I think I appreciate it a little bit more. Maybe mm-hmm. I missed that on the first couple listens through when we recorded the show. Eh. But I do kind of, with that in the back of my head, I like that track a little bit better than I did the first time I listened to right, it. Right, right. Next category is... Wah, wah, wah. What, what is next and This category? was the Innovative Use of FM yes, category. Yes, yes. And I
0: lost it's hard. Horribly. Horribly. Two, two to ten. you Y'all like
1: Bosconian more than Road Rash. It's Yuzo Koshiro, dude. Uh. Yuzo Koshiro on the X68. No. There's just no contest. I, I'm with you, but man, those drums. Oh, I just can't. Ugh, it, you're it, not... I think it takes a particular ear to appreciate Ugh. that Road Rash 3 track. Can I just say again? I love those drums. You do, and that's all you say. I heart those drums. But the guitars. You have to basically, like, I don't know, put it in a VGM player and delete those <laughs> those other synths just to listen to the drums in order for me to I, I think you have to be track.
0: you have to be like a hardcore metal dude or a dudette to really, I, I think, kind of I don't appreciate. know, because I listen
1: to like abrasive industrial, yeah, which is true. really screaming and noisy, and I yeah. still, this particular brand of noise was not my brand of noise. You're so. a brand of noise. So you won three, I won two, and there was a tie for the last one. So technically, you came out ahead by okay. a half a point. Okay, all right. I'm so, cool. I'm cool with you that. You know, whatever is very respectable showing on both of our. Bras. Yes, I get really paranoid that nobody likes anything that I pick. So yeah, it validates me a little bit. Yeah. So with that said, let's move on. Let's move past it.
0: That was episode forty-one. Yes,
1: <laughs> and, and again, thank you guys for voting. Yes. Uh, next, so we're gonna do a tiebreaker. I think next. So episode 50 will be another free pick, another free pick. Yep. Maybe not championship edition, we'll probably put a different subtitle on it. Hyper, hyper stupid fighting Hyper fighting. Hyper stupid. Hyper stupid. Super (laughs) stupid edition. (laughs) Alright,
0: so we are joined by a special guest who came all the way down from glorious state of New York to visit us. You know him on the Facebook group if you are on there as Cameron Worm. Worm? Worm Worma. Worma. So, Cameron worm
1: Cameron Worm uh, is here. He actually he made kind of a, a I, cameo, yeah, yeah, so to speak, on the listener request episode. That's we right. Played the Battletoads track yes. at the end of the show, yes. and we, we kind of yeah we we kind of we kind of like I said we kind of poo pooed the track a little bit based on our fact that we had too much nostalgia for the way AMS. too much, oh. but we did mention that we'd love to have him on the show. And immediately after he listened to it, he contacted us <laughs> and he was like, "Dude, I need to be on the show." So we were yeah. like, all right, let's
0: schedule it. So hey, listen, I told him you, you could have just stayed home and recorded the tracks from from home, but he was generous enough to come out and he is here live in, in the Pixel Tunes basement, yes. so Cameron, say hello.
1: Hey guys! And we're not paying him for gas.
2: Yeah.
0: No. I can feed you in Cheetos.
1: <laughs> Actually, I don't even
0: have any are Cheetos. Are they vegan
3: che- Cheetos?
1: I don't
0: even know if vegan Cheetos exist. Not with cheese we, on them. No. Oh, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the whole chi part.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, they're just toes, and nobody wants to (laughs) eat toes.
0: Nobody wants toes.
1: (laughs) Anyhow, so thank you very much for coming out, Cam. Thanks for having me. So we've each picked four of our favorite video game ending tracks to share with you guys today. We're going to kind of go around in a circle, start with Cam's pick first, and then Mike's pick, and then my pick. And so we've got a lot of really good, eclectic music. It's kind of Nintendo-heavy, but that doesn't even make a difference because... Um, even though Nintendo tracks are all very, very different Mm -hmm. sounding. Yeah, no track sounds the same. Yeah, so let's get right into it. Um, Cam, why don't you introduce your first track for us?
3: Uh, The first track I'm going with is from a, what I think is a pretty underrated, underappreciated, kind of unknown entry in the Blaster Master series for the PS1, Blasting Again. The name of the track is Rush Boy, um, the theme of Roddy, Roddy being the main character. By Satoshi Asano, whom I know nothing about. Um, But we do, that's why we're here, yes. Uh, Um, It's a great, really kind of heavy metal track, so I hope you uh, enjoy it. All right, let's hit it.
1: back blaster master i think my hair grew like 14 inches just yeah, listening man. to that thing that's a
0: great track it's a really denim just... jacket
1: just appeared yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. With
0: little spikes all over it
1: no you, you need
0: you need a trench coat with the sleeves cut off and you need tassels on your shoulders bon jovi style yeah yeah like you know sleeves cut off
3: yeah i always thought they had no, sleeves no like, no oh, okay. no no sleeves I would say maybe a flying V guitar too. Yes. yes. Definitely.
0: Absolutely. And a bandana. Oh, absolutely. With yeah. sunglasses. I think two bandanas, one on your head and one in your pocket. And
1: one around your neck.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's and cool. one around your upper arm. Yeah, and a yeah, yeah. mic
3: stand that you're
1: not using because right. yeah, there's no vocal. With eighty bandanas on the mic stand. <laughs> yeah. Bandana City.
0: Oh, that's a good name for a band. Bandana City. <laughs> bandana City. Wanna <laughs> 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 start a band called Bandana City? Sure. Featuring right. Santana. Yeah. Bandana yeah. featuring Santana. Bandana.
1: <laughs> <laughs> With a banana? (laughs) Banana (laughs) Banana City. That's an even better name for a BGM band. Or a Donkey Kong Country cover band.
0: Banana City. Banana City. I was in a band
3: called The Electric Banana. Perfect. There you go.
1: That
0: seems very loungy. I think you should change the name of that band to Banana City. (laughs) (laughs) Neon Banana. So, uh, tell me about your experience with this Blaster Master game, because I've only played it very briefly, and you must have beaten it. I have. Yes, so tell me about it.
3: It was a while ago that I played it and beat it. It has a much more of a Metroid feel than the original game, where there's a lot more exploration going back and forth, a lot of power-ups and upgrades. It feels... Remarkably like playing the original. The platforming and the jumping and the, the boosting and the hovering, and there's also the part of the game where you leave the vehicle and you walk around. And there's bosses in that mode, and bosses in the. I it's top you know. down, It's cool, though, right? It is. Yeah. Well, it's
2: kind, it's like kind of like a three-quarter kind of behind the. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. yeah okay, yeah.
3: okay. And it controls really well. The visuals are really cool. The animations, the main character looks really nice. It's a lot of fun. I would recommend it, and it, it's pretty cheap. I think now you can probably get it on eBay for under ten dollars.
0: Yeah, under ten, or maybe under twenty, which honestly. is like the price that it was released for originally. Yeah, yeah so. it was
3: released for. It was ten bucks when I got it. I got it at Blockbuster, brand new, and because they they would sell these packs. Acts of two, and they were budget games, and I got it. I think the other game that I got with it was uh, it was either Saltwater Sport Fishing. Oh or, snap! <laughs> or it was Game um, of the Year. Yeah, yeah. Or it was Game of uh, the Year Edition. Mortal Kombat, or uh, what is it? The Mortal Kombat Trilogy. Okay. Oh, okay. But it was definitely worth it. Was worth the twenty bucks. To, yeah. Uh, to play that one game. Definitely. So totally, totally. Definitely recommend it. Cool. Neat. So it was composed by Satoshi
1: Asano, and so this track within the game is kind of unique, because it's the only streaming audio track with live instruments that's that's in the game. Right. All the other tracks are using the PlayStation sequencing, like the MIDI style sequencing right. engine. So, Kevin, I kind of agree that the music sounds a lot like an enhanced Super Nintendo soundtrack, and it's really, really
3: good. With the exception of this particular Right, track. yeah. it right, sounds right.
1: more like 80s yeah, 80s yeah. metal, but yeah. the rest of it's very, it's a little more electronic sounding, a little more chip tuny sounding, but with guitar samples, mm-hmm. and uh, some really good percussion and keyboards, yeah, it's yeah. just a really good audio around soundtrack, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I'm going to end up probably putting it up on my on my forum thread eventually. Cool. It's, it's got some good stuff going for it.
0: Sunsoft had a very strange kind of pattern mm-hmm. with their music specifically. They reigned supreme in the NES era, I mean, you got Mr. Gimmick, uh, Blaster Master, you know, the original, Fester's Quest, you know, mainly Naoki Kodaka, which we'll talk a little bit about him a little later. But they had this, like, reigning championship of awesome music on the NES. And then the Super NES and the 16-bit
1: era, they were kind of like,
0: eh.
1: Yeah, they started mediocre. To, yeah. They were bad, but yeah. their songs didn't stand out among the other titles that right. were in the system. And the PlayStation era,
0: they kind of were still there, and they were doing a lot more, like, really lower-budget titles like this. Hmm. And so I kind of think that they kind of went back... To their roots a little bit, and we're like, let's just make games fun, let's make yeah. games with fun soundtracks and, you know, deep soundtracks, like really great sounding yeah. stuff.
3: To this day, I get Sunsoft and Hudsonsoft mixed up. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Hudsonsoft is the one with bonk. That's the best way to remember it.
1: Uh, so Satoshi Asano also composed music for Daffy Duck, Foul Play, Astra Superstars, and Shanghai Pocket. He worked on sound effects for TRAG, Tactical Rescue Assault Group which was kind of a really bad Resident Evil clone that came out on
3: the Uh, PlayStation.
0: Yeah, that one has really bad voice acting. Terrible voice yeah. acting. Oh, yeah. Speaking
3: of which, this Blaster Master game, mm-hmm. possibly the worst voice acting I've ever oh, really. played. It. It's bad. Now that I gotta play it. My it is hole. bad. Yes. Bad.
1: <laughs> and then uh, he worked on Ribbon, the sequel to Mist. Oh wow. Which is interesting oh, because that's... I know that's not a Japanese developed game. Yeah, and so Myst... I don't know if he did a port or or what. The and first... then he also worked on Real Mist too as a technical artist. That's weird because
0: yeah, Mist One and Mist Three were were done by American composers, if I recall.
1: Yeah. Well, it wasn't, he was technical. Yeah. It was a tech, maybe he worked on the PlayStation version. Okay. Sound data is what he was. You're a technical position. I am an IT guy, yes. You're a lot of things. (laughs) Thank you. He is. He is a lot of (laughs) things. I'm going to take the gold. You'll learn that quick. Um, So, Sound Data, he probably implemented the soundtrack on the PlayStation. Okay. And then on Real Mist, he probably did somewhat the same thing for for other Japanese consoles. Anyway, so definitely check out Blaster Master Blasting again if you hadn't. It's a very underrated game. Definitely worth a play. I'm just going to go play it so I can listen to the terrible voice acting. you like my bread and butter. Do it. <laughs> Love terrible voice acting. Oh, man. So the next track is also a Sunsoft track. That's cool. true. Coincidentally. Yeah. Yes. And it's Journey to Silius. This is the ending theme from the NES game written by Naoki Kodaka.
0: we are back. That was Journey to Silius, the end theme. And that was done by Naoki Kodaka who has done some amazing work on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Totally. He is a Sunsoft dude and all I gotta say is That base.
1: <laughs> base. You know, I've got a funny story. Oh yeah? Just happened yesterday. Yeah? So I was uh, downstairs on my computer. I was putting together all the tracks that we're gonna be playing for this for this episode. Okay. My wife comes downstairs, and I'm listening to some Nintendo soundtrack or something, and she's like, cause her dad is a bassist, okay. so she grew up listening to bass, real bass, uh, and he plays in a bunch of bands. Mm-hmm. She, he's like, you know, I was, I was listening to the Mega Man episode, the, the last one. It's like, Mike always talks about galloping bass and this and that, like, there's no bass. I don't know what he's talking <laughs> about. There's no bass on uh. this. I'm like, there's definitely bass. Yeah. Like, there's- and so I started going technical on her. I'm like explaining the two square channels and how the triangle channel is sometimes yeah. used as bass and blah, 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 blah. I mean, we listen, whenever she listens to the show, it's usually with me in her okay. car. In her car, the bass is turned way down. Oh. So on the NES, it really kind of doesn't sound like there's a lot of yeah. bass. She's like, I don't think video game music just has bass like that. So as she's talking and ranting, I'm just slowly browsing through my computer. I go to the Super Adventure Island soundtrack, mm-hmm. and I have a subwoofer on my computer. Mm-hmm. So I, I I throw on Drop into a Walk, and the bass is rattling. And she just stops and she looks at the speakers and goes, "Is this video game music?" Uh, and I was like yes it is Yeah. <laughs> she didn't have much to say after that but then I was like yeah there is definitely bass and I played her this specific song because mm-hmm. of that Sunsoft bass and mm-hmm. she's like oh okay you know I can really hear it here but it's true on a lot of the other and this is what kind of sets Sunsoft's music and specifically mm. Naoki Kodaka's music apart is that that rich bass sample right. using the sample channel really kind of brings a whole different sound to the NES music and why his music is like so memorable as compared to other yeah, NES sure. tracks.
0: I think the base in Super Nintendo and Genesis stuff it's always very much more pronounced, whereas on the NES, it's not so much. It's kind of shoved in the background a little bit more, yeah. Yeah. Mainly because the the lead synths are so much higher mm-hmm. higher pitched, right. Than I,
1: and it depends on your usage of the synths too, because true. if you do like the one of the square channels in the bass register, it's grittier, but it's louder, right. And if you use the triangle channel, you just kind of get a ooh. It's like a right, like right. a very subdued kind of bass yeah, sound. Just kind of yeah. It's, it it complements the yeah. synths instead of being its own thing. It's not like you know, uh, Getty Lee playing bass instead, yeah. or or Primus or something. like not that. Not many things are. Well, yeah, yeah. I yeah. was yeah. yeah. talking about the sound in general. Right. Yeah. It's a very fuzzy, upfront kind right. of yeah, typo yeah. negative style. Bass. But yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mega Man Three definitely has bass. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. It's just not as easy to hear her, if you've got your bass turned down in your car. Her
0: ears are broken. It's cool. Oh, I guess that's, that's cool. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. It's when you're I'm sure always she'll like, appreciate hearing like that yeah, yeah,
0: the Show Naoki Kodaka. We've talked about him before. He's done tons of different work, mainly on the NES. He did Spy Hunter. Blaster Master, Fester's Quest, uh, he did the first Batman game on the NES, which is a great soundtrack. Gremlins 2, the new batch, uh, Euphoria, the new saga, which if you haven't checked out, definitely check it out. Not just for the music, the game, it's a very, like, Metroid-ish type game, it's very non-linear but it's really quirky, very different. If you're looking for an NES game that's kind of out there, Euphoria, uh, it never came out in the United States. It only came out in Europe and Japan, so. Then Super Spy Hunter, which has a great soundtrack. Batman Return of the Joker on the NES. He did the Genesis version as well, which again, like I said, Sunsoft Genesis. I would say
1: it's pretty good, it's just
0: not as
2: good as the NES
1: version. Yeah, that's fart. all I had to say to you. Is that p- game is fart. He
0: also did Afterburner, which we did play on uh, the episode with Wee Guy. So Journey of I don't know. I picked it because it's a good game, and the whole game has really good music. And I've never beaten Blaster Master or Fester's <laughs> Quest or any of the other Naoki Kodaka uh, games. I've uh, beaten Batman. Yeah, um, it's a tough game. yeah, Batman's really hard. It's it's a very hard game. Journey to it was also a little bit tougher, more towards the later part of the game. Basically, Journey to Cilius, just to kinda of recap, is a game that used to be uh, or was originally gonna be a Terminator licensed game, the very first Terminator movie, and the Sunsoft lost the license and so they were like, What are we gonna do? And they're like, Ah, screw it, let's just you know, make, make it a generic make action a game. Generic action uh-huh. game. So you play as this guy named Jay,
1: Gabby and, Jay,
0: and Jay, Jay is trying to get revenge or vengeance for his father's death. There's, Spoiler. you know, yeah, spoilers, and there's all this uh, ridiculous computer-ish talk. Yeah, not that you would uh, ever
1: know by beating the game. Right, right. The story is really just kind of, you know, it's yeah. not, not, it's not there, there. there to have a story. It's well, there it's to got, have the a story. The thing is, it's got all this exposition at the beginning of the game that tells yeah. you the whole story and whatever, and mm-hmm. then when you beat the game, it's literally a picture. Right. Of the Earth and a satellite, right? And then you get the credits. Yeah. There's
0: no text. There's no resolution. Don't play the game for the story. Play the game no. for the game and the music. Excellent music. A lot of it sounds like borderline Depeche Mode hmm. uh, from the '80s, like you know, late when they went a little bit darker, new wave kind of stuff, like uh, Strange Love. You know, those type of tracks. You know, with that bass, the do 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 like that type of really good. Our buddy Brian, who we had on the show way back in like episode three or whatever, four or five, um, he introduced me to this game. And I had never played it on the NES, so I only played it through emulator. So I'd like it. you to meet Journey to Silly. Right, pretty much. He introduced hey. me. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> I'm Journey.
1: How's it going? <laughs>
0: So, yeah, no, uh, he introduced it to me, and I played it on the Emulator only for years until I finally picked up the game for like, I don't know, five bucks someday, and uh, it's a really fun game, it plays kind of like Mega Man mixed with like Contra,
1: I'd say, Okay, a bit. okay, I, I can see that, I, I see definitely the, see the Mega Man in player. Yeah. I see the Contra more than the Mega Man, actually. Really? Really. Yeah. When I first played it, I was like, this is a Mega Man ripoff. I just felt like the jumping mechanic and everything felt very Mega Man to
0: me. The jumping mechanic has a bit of a way to it, I mean, I reviewed this game way back in episode, or season one of... Dude, you haven't played this game. I think it was actually the season finale episode, so um, if you want to know a little bit more about it, check it out. Also check out Happy Video Game Nerds review on it. Excellent review, way better than what I could have done, in my opinion. Props to him. Well, that's just yeah. your opinion. No, he, he does some great reviews. So the next track is one of my favorite games, one of my favorite endings of all time. Ed picked it, which is weird. Because I didn't pick this. I know. I know.
1: And for once, I'm picking a Castlevania I know. track. That's weird. So this is the ending theme from yeah. Super Castlevania Four for the SNES, composed by Masanori Adachi and Taro Kudo. Enjoy.
3: Just a few more hits, and I've beaten you, Dracula. Just one more yes! That's one more game to add to the beaten list. Hello there. Ryu Hayabusa? It's been ages. I thought you were dead. No, no. Pizza Ninja was hugely successful. The pizza was so good,
1: I, uh... I kinda got out of shape. I couldn't really do that ninja stuff anymore at 300 pounds.
3: Wow, you look great now.
1: Thanks, man. I got that new app Couch to five assassinations a day. Works wonders. <laughs> a- anyways, I-, I see you've beaten this game. Looks like you need End Be Gone. End Be Gone? That's right. Video games are fun, right? But when you beat them, you have to stop. End Be Gone turns any linear video game into an endless one. Just watch. Looks like I just put an addition on my
0: castle. See you at the top of the never-ending tower, Simon Belmont.
3: (laughs) Seriously? It took me five years to finally beat this game. And now you can enjoy five more. Ninja, out. You're still a jerk, Ryu Hayabusa.
0: Video games not to be used on failing marriages, sick pets, or delicious milkshakes. Side effects may include crying like a whiny baby, throwing the controller across the room, and cravings for delicious milkshakes. Offer not valid in Fairfield County.
1: Welcome back. That was the brilliantly orchestral Super Castlevania 4 for the SNES. stat organ. That. Mm. You know, I, and I say I don't like orchestral music that much, but that song rocks. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, you picking this track is very un-ed. Well, this is a nostalgia thing for me. I okay. Mean, Super Castlevania 4 is one of my favorite games of all time. Same here. And yeah. it did take me a while to beat it. It's one of the most challenging games yeah. I've played, especially towards the end. Like, I could always get through most of the castle no problem. Death always messed me up hard. Yeah. Cool. It was death. really hard, but those sickles just keep coming at yep. your face.
0: Death is probably the hardest enemy. In the game, yeah, in my opinion, yeah,
1: Dracula's like, pretty decent too. Once eh. you figure out his pattern, it's good. Yeah, I just you know, as a kid, for some reason, I just never was able to get it down pat very well. But, I've beaten this game so many times yeah, that I me just too now. he's
0: especially since right before you get to Dracula, you can jump down those stairs like mm-hmm. the fake staircase. Yeah, and get and all the, the Nintendo power for us. trick, man.
3: I didn't know that when I it's been too long for me I can't recall the end of the game very much Really I played probably the first half of it pretty recently but I don't remember the the latter half There isn't too too
1: much to the end I mean technically you see Dracula's tower collapse what you do and every single freaking Castlevania game you've yeah. ever made. But then you get this really nice segment while the song plays of all the bosses that you fought, and it kind of recaps mm-hmm. all the levels and, yeah. and stuff, yeah. and the, the, there's the staff. It was simple, but it felt very rewarding for me when I finally beat the game. It's a
3: great game, but it's no Bloodlines. <laughs> I really like that one, too.
1: Yeah, Bloodlines
0: is really good, but Super Castlevania IV takes the cake for me. It I, does for most people. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I just
1: I got a Genesis so late, and I don't think I had Bloodlines. Of like my original selection of Genesis right. games. So this was just the Castlevania that I really grew up with. Because I didn't yeah. even really play the NES Castlevanias that much. I played two when that mm-hmm. was it. The MS- yeah. Yeah. So this was like the Castlevania game for me. Right. I don't know. I just I really like the sweeping violins and like mm-hmm. the little, little mm-hmm. staccato flutes that come in. It just This is the first time you really got to hear like music that really sounded like a full orchestra yeah. on a video game.
0: I mean, it's just the Super Nintendo working at possibly some of its best sounding mm-hmm. instruments as far as the actual audio goes, yeah. the compositions are Pretty great, of sounds. course. Yeah. But man, especially like earlier in the game, that flute on that on that level, uh, where you're yeah. going through yeah. the uh, caves, just phenomenal.
3: And the percussion uh, sounds really
0: oh, uh, really those bombastic. The timpani drums are yeah. very very powerful. Yeah, the kettle the drums. Yeah. sound
3: good, but I found that there there's kind of a lack of sustain on the drums. Yeah. They just kind of yeah. Yeah, but the sounds are it's, really good.
0: Especially in like when you're in the library and and like those th- the drums are very tight mm-hmm. sounding. Mm-hmm. There's no sustain on those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the,
1: the problem symbols. with that being is that that takes up memory. Yeah, true, true. And it's also because there's such a low sample rate, you get a lot of static. Yeah. Probably would pop or static if they left the sustain too long.
0: I think the thing that keeps this sounding like Castlevania is the organs. This kind of moved the soundtracks into a different realm that they later on, I think, maybe took on a little bit more, especially with like Mishiru Yamane when she was doing like Lament of Innocence, like that type of era Mm -hmm. of... The games, they were less J pop dance yeah. metal oriented and more bombastic, more like symphonic. And I think that's just because games were getting more Hollywood ish mm-hmm. experiences. And now, you know, most games nowadays that release, at least not on Nintendo systems, you know, all the big yeah. AAA titles have these right. very bombastic sounding yeah. soundtracks, unfortunately. But, uh, what saves this soundtrack for me personally is the very jazz fusion-esque sounding instrumentation, especially in like level five, level four, like around yeah. that era.
3: Very unique um, in the series. Yeah,
0: no, it's just, it's got a great mix of everything. It's got it's got jazz, it's got uh, fusion, it's got uh, classical, orchestral, uh, Baroque era, specifically Baroque era, which is very important to the Castlevania sound, which I've said time and time again. <laughs> but let's talk about the composers. So Masanori Adachi. Yeah, I
1: mean, we've really talked about these guys before when we talked about Super Castlevania. Masanori Adachi, Contra 3, The Alien Wars on right. the SNES. Uh, you know, he, he I think, was probably the one that was more responsible for a lot of the more orchestral uh, tracks because he did work on stuff like Rocket Knight Adventures. He did some work on right, Axley right. for mm-hmm. the SNES. Oh, right. Uh, he he was credited as Remixer because Taro Kudo, I think was the main composer on Axelay And yeah, then Masanori yeah. Adachi kind of went in And maybe arranged some pieces Or obviously remixed some pieces If that's what he was credited for You can yeah.
3: definitely hear the similarities in those two Yeah, examples. oh yeah, definitely they And, both and, and Contra 3 as
1: well In a
0: very specific Super Nintendo era Which is like kind of like mid to late era I mean you had Super Castlevania 4, Contra 3, and Axelay Those three games are like very specific sounding yeah. games Sure What's our next track?
1: Our next track is, um, this is one the,
0: the Way picks. by
3: Fastball.
1: <laughs> yeah? Of course. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, the next track is from uh, one of our favorite composers, all three of us, I think, Matt Furness. And this is the ending theme from Pugsy. This is the Genesis version.
0: Back that was Pugsy on the Genesis, and that was the end theme written by or composed by some guy named Matt Furness. This is the only game he ever did.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah right. That no one's ever heard of.
0: Yeah right. Well yeah, that's true. So tell us why you picked this track, Kim? Because I know you are one of the few that's played this. Dude, Mike hasn't played this game. It's true.
3: Well, I don't have. This is actually uh, a game I have not beaten. Um, which I, I kind of struggled with picking this track, but I had to pick it because I just like it so much. The sound of it—I mean, I guess you kind of have to really like the Genesis sound. But the the like you're saying the the, the bass, that that galloping bass is just really, 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 really yeah, fun. Um, and the the tones of the uh, the instruments, like that that sort of like chimy vibe, sort of marimba sound in the background. Yeah are so crystal clear in the Genesis. The ending just has this really, it's punctuated at the end, it just kind of bum, 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 bum. And it really feels like the end of the game, and you've achieved, you've beaten it. And right. It's a nice sense feel, of finality, like, yeah. yeah. But, again, I can't really say from experience because I haven't beaten the game. Right. right. It's, just, it's just what it sounds like to me. I, I just had to pick this, this track, I love it so much.
1: Yeah, to me, it reminds me a lot of the uh, McDonald's Treasure Land Adventure soundtrack. It's right. got the same kind of chimes, very similar sound yeah, to it. Yeah. But it's got that kind of Matt Furniss signature gallop. It yeah. uh, makes it really fun.
0: I think that this is... A track that sounds very Japanese in, or in terms of the... You yeah, know, that yeah. Japanese well, Matt Purniss was very influenced action, from Western right. composers. Absolutely, yeah.
3: The Genesis version, I think, is considered to be sort of like the quintessential version. Oh, it
0: is? Okay. The, um, That's good to know, because there's also a Sega CD Sega, version. The
3: Sega CD soundtrack obviously is fantastic, but it yeah. doesn't have, the for me, the, the yeah. charm the Genesis
0: does. Uh, the, the tracks are all still arranged or composed by Matt Furness on yep. the Sega CD version? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Well, We should also credit Sean Hall- Hollingworth for this yep. too. He basically wrote the sound driver for Matt yeah, and okay. helped out with sound implementation. Mm-hmm. The the advantage that Matt Furness had when he composed Genesis tracks was that Sean Hollingworth's driver actually, you could plug the hardware into the controller port on the Genesis and mm-hmm. he could hear it through the Genesis as he was composing That's it. That's cool. Oh, that Which cool. a lot of the other composers would have to compose it all on a keyboard or whatever, right. and then listen to it here. If it sounded good, and go back and edit it, and then re-import it. So mm-hmm. he had kind of a real-time, he was spoiled. information, yeah, was exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it, it made him, you know, able to compose things a lot more quickly, but also a lot more effectively because oh, cool, cool. he knew exactly how it would sound when he was he was doing it. So tell us about Pugsy. It's a side-scrolling
3: platformer puzzle game.
1: Who sounds Um, like a 1940s gangster. Right,
3: right. Yeah, my name is Pugsy. Pugsy. It's a really, the character is really cute, like the the character design.
0: He's not a dog, though. He's a... He's an alien. An alien. Some kind of... Weird orange alien guy. Yeah,
3: I was struck by when I first turned the game on, there's a sequence in the beginning where his spaceship is kind of like careening toward Earth, and the animation of it just looks like the... Best kind of animation you'd see on the Genesis. It's amazing. I haven't played the game much yet. I've gotten through the first several levels. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Not everyone agrees. But it is fun.
0: And I know but. Ed was saying it's a little stiff. I haven't played it personally, but you said it was a little yeah, stiff.
3: yeah. Reviews are mixed. I mean, if you go yeah. on, on yeah, the is. internet,
1: you people that really really enjoy it. It's it's not one of those games where everybody is like this game is
2: terrible. <laughs> that's, that's
1: right. That's, it's mixed. So it's not Global Gladiators, where everybody thinks it's terrible. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Except you. Except me. Except you. It's a good game.
3: It's not. You did it. You did it.
0: <laughs> all right. So that's Pugsy. And Matt Furness we've talked about. Now, the guy who did the sound drivers for that, what was the name Sean, again? Sean Hollingworth. Sean Hollingworth. Has he done sound drivers for other bands? Oh, Furness? God. I mean, you, his,
2: he, Furness?
1: yeah. Matt oh, Furness. all of Matt, he and Matt Furness. Matt worked very closely together. Okay. He's the guy that actually hired Matt Furness on okay. to work with him right. on soundtracks and okay. stuff. So, okay, okay. Uh, so the next track we're going to play is a game that is, uh, the internet hates. It's Chrono Trigger.
0: Yeah. Chrono Trigger. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody likes this game. No, terrible. I love this game, and we'll talk about it in just a minute, but we wanted to play the final track that you hear. It's called Too Far Away Times, and the track was composed by Yasunori Matsuda. I see you're
1: enjoying the latest Kirby game on the Nintendo Wii U. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, but I'm worried about beating it. These games have little replay value, and when they do, I just can't be bothered.
0: Here at Nintendo, we hear this all the time. How can we help gamers never beat a game? With the original Nintendo Entertainment System, we tried making it so the cartridges would occasionally bug out thanks to faulty hardware. Heck, even Sony did
1: this with the PlayStation 1. So that's why my discs kept skipping even Microsoft's skill team. Oh, Red Ring of Death, you charlatan. You got
2: it,
0: but now gamers expect more from their games. Downloadable content, online play, leaderboards, achievements, and you can have all that without ever beating the game, just like in the old days. With the Nintendo Never Entertainment System, or the NNS, you'll never beat a game ever. Oh, how does it
1: work? I'll show you. See, here's the latest Chrono-Lagger. Oh, right, I've heard about this game. It's like a spiritual prequel to the remake of the sequel of Chrono Trigger. Very good. Well, in Chrono Trigger, you got 12 endings.
0: But in this game, you get zero. When you finish Lavos Jr.'s final
1: form, you get to go anywhere and do anything you want, except beat the game. You mean I can finally finish plotting how to make the Chrono-Marl-Luca love triangle happen? Yes, all that and more. Endless possibilities, except beating the
0: game. The Nintendo Never Entertainment System, now only $45,999.01 with monthly fees for server upkeep starting at $300 per family member. That's a bargain? Yes, that is a bargain. We know. It even comes with a free amiibo. Call 1 800 255 3700 today. Note this product is not the finalized version and ending theme songs may play when combined with the Super Game Genie. Nintendo is not liable for indecent insertions of Amiibos. Each Nintendo Never Entertainment System comes with one Amiibo, Amiibos not sold separately in stores. Collect all 400! If you have had ear canal surgery, a pacemaker, or are frightened of clowns, do not use the Nintendo Never Entertainment System alone or with friends. Sizes may vary. No supervision required, please set up with an adult, children over 30 may need a parent's mission before playing online. No purchase necessary. Alright, dry your tears. Come on guys, just... Whatever. It's okay, it's okay. Uh-huh. Chrono Trigger to Faraway Times. There's a final track that you hear in this amazing game. I am total fanboy. I'm about to gush. One of my favorite RPGs of all time, if not like top two. Like this and Final Fantasy 7. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh yeah. Freaking hyped over this game. I mean, I was... I remember being in seventh grade, like, that spring, and just, like, drawing both Yoshi from, like, all the Yoshis in Yoshi Island, and the characters from Chrono Trigger. Hmm. Like, just drawing him and then penciling them and stuff. Just, like, oh, my God. Cool. So hyped. So Chrono Trigger, you play as this character named Chrono, and uh, it's an RPG. So you wake up, and your mom's like, get up. Time to, you know, go to the fair, and you show up, and your best friend Luca is there. She's an inventor. Her and her father are there, and they're showing off this awesome time portal thing. It's not a time portal. It's like, a, de- it's like portal. a DeLorean
1: with a uh, fusion reactor on the back.
0: Well, the it wasn't originally meant to go mystery. back in time, it was more meant to move molecules from one side to the other.
1: Oh, so it was like a police box. Kind of. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, uh, yeah. Perfect. I see what you did there one of the characters that you meet well, her real name is Princess Nadia, but she goes as Marl. It's all she back to me. yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so you bump into her, and you actually knock her necklace off, and then you have the necklace. Okay, then... The entire story. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so we're be here for her. yeah, no. Basically, <laughs> like, talk more about the
3: necklace. <laughs> she got, yeah, no, no.
0: Describe what it. did it look like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, she, so bottom line is, it's a time traveling game where you go back in time and you rescue her, and then you, you meet all these crazy. So, the title characters. of the song
3: "Too Far
1: Away Times" kind and, of references these different time periods.
0: Absolutely you know yes, yeah, so you meet all all these different characters throughout all these different time periods and all these different dimensions and eras of of the real world. And it's it's a really fascinating game. The soundtrack was composed by Yasunori Matsuda and Nobuo Umatsu. Now, we played a track off of this before in the RPG battle tracks
1: yeah and we episode. kind of talked about how matsudo became ill during the right. composition oh, right. of the track yeah. and, yep matsudo um, became very ill just so had to step in and compose a uh, few
0: I, tracks for him i believe it was something with his stomach or something like he had he, ulcers
1: he had ulcers yep. that's
0: right because i mean they were just really crunched for time yeah. and so nobuo ematsu i think he was like oh i got nothing going on mm. so he composed yeah. some tracks for the game as well. This particular track was composed by Yasunori Matsuda though and it's just a very beautiful track. I mean it not only references the beginning of the game with the clock pendulum drums later on, this kind of very somber kind of feel to it. Visually the memories don't come back because it's been so long since I've beaten this game mm. but I beat this game like multiple times to get like one of the 12 different endings. Yeah. I've beaten it multiple times to get the endings so, I cannot speak enough about how much I love not only this track, but also this game. Actually, I'm gonna get a little sentimental here, but this is the only the one of, I, I think, two or three video game tracks or moments or whatever that have actually made me cry. So, really? this, yeah, this song. I got more than that. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's very. I've never cried over a video game.
3: No? No. Baby.
0: <laughs> Wait, what? No, it'd be the opposite of baby. You robot. man, robot. You man, robot, dude. <laughs> I'll go with that. Guy.
2: Man robot cool.
0: guy. Man robot dude guy. So enough about me and my love for this game. Let's talk about your love for this game. Ed, staring directly. I'm kind of you.
1: ambivalent about this game. God, Ed I I say it. Say it. and then I have this table say it. flip. It's not an it's not an ambivalence. I guess it's more of like a, I respect the game because I know that it's good. Right, exactly. Right. When I played it back in the day, you know, and and, I've, and I, we were actually just talking about this before. I grew up. I didn't have any other friends that liked video games. It was me and my brother. We had Nintendo Power, but I wasn't able to share my video game experiences or thrills with anybody, so I always kind of kept it to myself. No, and, same here. And when I played yeah. this game, it just it didn't leave that mark on me that I guess it did for a lot of other people. A, because I wasn't a very big RPG fan to begin with, mm-hmm. and B, I just like a more sci-fi atmosphere. I like... "Quote unquote cool stuff," I guess, and not so much not so much emotional Ouch.
2: stuff. That's
3: the difference. Ouch!
1: <laughs> no, but like when I say cool stuff, I mean like F Zero or like Final Fight. You or like, like more like gritty, darker things, right? Shadowrun. Yeah, Shadowrun, exactly. One of my yeah. favorite Super Nintendo games of all time. Okay, it's so, like so it's the greatest, like, darkest game on the It's
0: not that you don't like RPGs. It's more that you like certain more type. like certain type, like sci-fi, yeah, right? And that's why Fantasy. Final Fantasy
1: VII kind of spoke to me because it had more of that kind of sci fi atmosphere that's, to it.
0: That's interesting because
1: I mean there are a lot of fantasy
0: based moments in this game, but there's also I mean, like, when you go into the future and you meet Robo, who is one of the characters that you end up with in your party, that whole area is sci fi.
1: Well oh, yeah, but one whole area in a game. I don't know. Yeah. Over a very it's not it's not the overarching theme of the yeah. game. And even then it's it's in the future, but it's still very cartoony yeah. looking. I don't know.
0: Yeah, you yeah, were no. also. I know there's a bit of an age difference amongst. I was a little older. You were yeah. a little older than me, so I, I think for this game. So, what year did this game come out? This came out in 1995. 95. Okay, so I was right. a junior in high school. Oh, okay, so I was 12. Yeah, and I really wasn't yeah, I playing was very many school.
1: games at that point anyway, right. so oh, okay. I was just you know, I was involved school. in school activities you and were stuff like that. Cam? Okay. Yeah, so I was getting up on 16 years old then.
0: Yeah. No, I was, I was 12. Girls. And, yeah, girls. <laughs> girls. No, I was still very oblivious to all that. I was just like, "What? What's a girl?" Even though it's really funny. Cause at the time, my best friend was a girl, girl? so you Where know, were you? I would no, I would just go to her, or my friend Chris, and I, I would tell her, I'd be like. Oh my god, this game Chrono Trigger is coming out! I can't wait for it. And she'd be like, "What?" She'd be like, "You look so
1: sexy today, Mike." And he'd no. be like, "Whatever."
0: Chrono no, trigger.
1: definitely not. Definitely not.
0: But uh, no, it was it was one of those things where she would come over and you know she'd watch me play all these games, and she'd be like, "Yeah, this is kind of cool." All right, I'm gonna go be a girl somewhere. Bye. <laughs> like,
1: so since you're not making out with me.
0: <laughs> no, it wasn't like that. Look at him; he's blushing. No,
2: she's, she's
1: like, no, she's like Here my really sister, is. dude.
2: She's no,
0: it's it's completely different. No so. <laughs>
1: Alright enough about that yeah, no. So that was Chrono Trigger I mean we've talked about him You know at the game before And the, and the composers before mm-hmm. Very solid yeah.
3: Square RPG mm-hmm. Solid We'll give it that That's solid.
0: solid Freaking amazing You yes. guys are nuts
1: I hate you all at table
3: flip. Alright <laughs>
1: Excellent From a very in-depth RPG We go to a very topical And superficial shoot 'em up <laughs> From the arcade This is Thundercross 2 uh, The ending track is called A Shooting Star By Mikio Saito finally a song we probably haven't heard before. Yeah. That's from <laughs> Thundercross 2, an arcade game by Konami, and that was released around the time where Gradius was really popular. Yeah. So Thundercross borrows a lot from Gradius, except that it doesn't have the like manual power-up upgrade bar at the bottom. So you pretty much just gather power-ups okay. like you would in a normal, traditional... Arcade shmup. But it ran on the same hardware that the original Ninja Turtles arcade game ran on, so it had really colorful graphics, it's very nice pretty good animation, it. yeah. The sound is good. It's only it's only monorail. I The first Ninja Turtle arcade hardware was kind of weird because it had really, really good sound, mm-hmm. but it was not stereo. Right. So you end up with, I don't know, it sounds like a Super Nintendo, but you get NES roll panic. Uh, so I really like this track, and I know I say that quite
0: often, but you usually pick good stuff. Thanks, so good job. Good job, you did it. Yay! A Shooting Star is the name of this track. It was composed by Mikio Saito. Saito. Everyone's yes. favorite composer. Oh, yes. What, is my, my, what has Mikio Saito done?
1: More than you'd probably imagine. Really? Um, well, he started off on Super Star Force for the Famicom back in 86. Some of his more popular works that we've talked about in the past were the Ninja Gaiden arcade game. Okay. He I mean, wrote Iron Man.
0: He yeah, wrote, <laughs> he wrote yeah, Iron exactly. Man. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Wild Fang, which was an arcade game. It was a pretty cool shooter. Captain Subasa Volume 2 for the Famicom. He did, after uh, Thundercross 2, which was released in 1991, he did Gradius 2 for the TurboGrafx-16 in 92. Okay. Dracula X for the TurboGrafx-CD. Mm-hmm.
0: You mean Rondo? Rondo of Blood, right? Mm-hmm. California Rondo. Yep, of...
1: Aquamarine right. Dracula. X it right, was called right, right, in right. Japan. Yeah. Um. After that, Twin B Tyson Puzzle Dama for the PS1, and the Tokimeki Memorial games for the TurboGrafx CD. CD.
0: Those are big games in Japan. Those are
1: huge games in Japan, yes. and the soundtracks for those games are like six hours long. There's yeah. incredible amounts of music in those games.
0: Koji Igarashi got his start on those, on one of those mm-hmm. games. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's when they were like, oh, BT dubs, you know. You can work on any game. What do you want to work on? It was like Castlevania. So,
2: yep.
1: ta-da! The rest was history. there you go. Anyways, so this game is a lot of fun. It's very short. There's literally no story to speak of at all. It's two-player too, which is nice. It's kind of uh, unique. Cool. You don't really get that that much in Gradius. Anyways, but the ending is fairly simple. You blow up this big boss, and then it's very similar to Contra, or uh, not Contra. It's very similar to Castlevania, actually, where you see, like, black and white images of all the bosses okay. that you fight while this song That's is neat. playing. Yeah, and then the song is basically the star of the ending, because as we were talking yeah. about while we were listening to it, it goes through so many change-ups. Yeah. And that beat changes over and over and over again, and you know, Cam was saying they're like, real rock drums. It sounds yeah. like... You know, Mikio Saito had some real experience behind it, kit. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: It's got the full hi-hat going on. And
1: the, and the ride cymbals and yeah. triangles and yeah. all that mm-hmm. stuff. It's really cool.
0: Yeah, no, drum-wise, it's it's really great. And I think just the composition's fantastic. It goes through so many different changes. And it it, it has almost, a, I would say, a, a more Western vibe to it as well. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of the Western composers like uh, Chris Holzbeck and those type of Amiga composers... Did in Commodore 64, they made these tracks that kind of evolved and build and build and build. And uh, with this, that's to- that's totally something that happened. Yeah, and
1: percussion was a big focus on that too, yeah. where the timing would change and you know the the, the beats would come in on different.
0: Well, I mean, the hits
1: would come in on different parts of the. Kind of the,
0: starts slow and then kind of builds yeah. into this like really rock-based track with these very staccato beats and drums. So
1: it's a lot it's of good fun. stuff. And you know, again, the shame is that the arcade games, usually you don't hear the sound that True. much So a lot of these songs have been wasted over, over time And it's awesome that we could bring them to you Yeah What's our next track? Next track is another square RPG Yes, this is western developed though Right, yes. Secret the of first. Evermore This is the Staff Roll song, this is what, Cam's pick, I think? Yep. 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 yep This is from Jeremy Sewell oh,
3: Is that how you pronounce it? Yes I never knew that
1: Cool. Well now you
0: know. Today you learned. The more you know. back. That was the Secret of Evermore final track and that was Staff Roll and that was done by Jeremy Sewell. So this was a western RPG that was a Squaresoft RPG and I know Cameron, this yeah. is your pick. You're a big fan of this game. Tell yeah. us a little bit about the game and the composer.
3: Um, well, the game is kind of widely sort of criticized for for sort of looking like Seer of Mana but not quite getting there because right. people love Seer of Mana, obviously or Mana, however you want to say it.
0: Man, I'm Mana. Yep. It's all the same. Let's call the
3: whole thing off. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people were hoping for a uh, Seekin Densetsu.
0: Seekin Densetsu. um, yeah.
3: Entry in in that. So when they got this, people were kind of disappointed. Yeah, which is weird to me because the only. I don't know. I mean, the internet wasn't around back then.
0: So, I mean, it was, but it was like like AOL. AOL, yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I remember going on AOL and like looking up Chrono Trigger stuff back then. Because that was the same year that I got my. PC. Mm-hmm. I got an app, IBM Actiba. Yeah, oh. You remember those? <laughs> I do. But I remember looking up stuff but it wasn't to the level that Nintendo Power Covered. I mean, you would get new stuff, but nobody talked about, you know, yeah. Sikiden Densetsu or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So Secret of Mana, when they posted stuff about that in Super Nintendo, I don't ever recall them talking about the sequels. So I always had heard that yeah. people were looking forward to sequels, right. Right, 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 to right. games that they never yeah. announced for yeah. the U.S. And I'm kind of like, I don't ever remember these sequels talked about. So why is it that people got all bent out of shape that we got Secret of Evermore instead of Secret of Mana 2?
3: I think they they... I mean, it's even in the title, Secret mm. of Evermore. I mean, people mm-hmm. kind of were like, oh, it's a it's an entry in the series. Right. But it's not. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't... It, it's only very superficially. They should have called it just Evermore.
0: You know what I mean? I would have been okay with that. Yeah, yeah. 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 That would have made more sense. It would have made ever more sense. Ah, ah, ah. Ed's um, all quiet. He's giving me this, like, death stare.
3: <laughs> that, no. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, anyway, the, the game, I mean... It's, um, it looks a lot like Secret of Mana, mm-hmm. like, superficially. It has like the same kind of menu. It's kind of um, dark, if I remember. It is, it mm-hmm. is kind of dark. Yeah. But the the, the the fact that it resembles Secret of Mana is only... It was intentional, but nothing was copied directly. They, they weren't allowed to do it, apparently, the mm-hmm. development team. This was the the formation of Square America,
2: or right. whatever they were called. That's right. This was their project. Okay.
3: And they were told, make a game that resembles Secret of Mana. So mm-hmm. the uh, lead programmer was like, okay, well... We can't copy anything, so they had to build it from the ground up. Mm-hmm. So they kind of copied the not copied, actually copied, but they they made the menu system and the the gameplay with the charging of the weapons.
0: So they built it from the ground up, but they made it look exactly like, it was very influenced, right? Yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. And it's uh, other than that, it's got nothing in common with with the Mana series. But it 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 the story is it you're this this kind of adventurous little kid who, who's. Not little kid. I mean, he's like probably like a you know, twelve. Yeah, 13. I
0: think that is another reason why I never played it. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's like
3: a movie buff, and he and his dog are, are they're like buddies, and mm-hmm. they go to the theater and watch movies. And so a lot of the a lot of the story kind of centers around has a lot of like old movie cliches and okay. stuff in it. There's a lot of like pop pop culture references, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. He's wandering and he finds himself in the uh, I don't remember exactly the building with this machine, and he kind of gets sucked into the machine, and mm-hmm. he ends up in this unfamiliar place. Kind
0: of and, like Cruncher.
3: Yeah, it is sort of like that. Yeah. And then um, each, the, the the game's kind of broken up into different periods where each part of the game is in a different, uh, Didn't you sort own, of like, like anachronistic... Like Egypt? Isn't it no, Egypt? No, but there's a pyramid. There's right. a pyramid level, but that's what it was. But that actual area of the game is more like uh, ancient Greece rather right. than anything.
0: That's weird. And there's like a very steampunk Definitely. feel Definitely. to the game. Yeah. That's yeah. why I kind of always felt like this would be a good game for you, Ed, but... Yeah,
2: that's what I was...
1: That's what I was yeah. saying, yeah. 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 Again... It's not... not an RPG fan, so... Yeah, you know, no, I know. I play very few Which is weird, because you like Earthbound. Yes. It's weird that the one... I mean, there are exceptions to the rule. Sure. You sure, know... Yeah. No, no exceptions. <laughs> not, not not being an RPG fan doesn't mean I hate RPGs. It just <laughs> right. means that it takes a very specific RPG to no, kind I'm of... No, I'm with made. you. Sure. I'm
0: with you. I, like I said, you know, RPGs gotta be Japanese, gotta be... Have a cast of at least seven to 10. Yeah, I hear
2: you.
0: That's it. Yeah. Like, good story, good characters, enjoyable. And I think that's kind of what turned me off on Secret. I remember being hyped about Secret of Evermore, but not like. Because you liked Secret of Mana. Because, probably. well, no. Actually, I never played Secret of Mana, believe it or not. I, not. I have not. I have not. wow. I know, believe you it or not. Know, it was one of the ones I beat. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Funny story. I have the box, I have the manual. I. It's always one of those games
1: that I've wanted to play. <laughs> okay. But I do well, not. Well. well. You know, I gotta get it. I think the reason that Secret of Mana was one of the games that I actually beat, we're getting a little off-topic, but it was because it was multiplayer. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, with RPGs, my my brother and I would always be like one person watching and the other person not being able to play. That was one we could actually play together, so it made it a lot more fun. Or not,
2: it
3: was cool. Yeah, or they can drop in and out at any point. Same with Secret of Evermore, actually. I think a second player could... could Oh, really? Oh, Oh, cool. cool.
0: Yeah. Role-playing games, I... It was harder for me to get into them. Not that I didn't like them, it's just right. I had yeah, I specific that. things that I enjoyed. And so when I saw Secret of Evermore, I was like, oh
3: cool, he has a dog.
0: And then I was <laughs> like, but it's just him and the dog. And I'm like, uh. yeah, oh, the, "Yeah, the
3: mechanic the dog adds to the game is great. Yeah. It's, it's really fun. But as far as the music goes, it's very unique to me. If you listen to the, the different tracks in the soundtrack, that there's not a whole lot that... It sounds like this um, sound. This, this sounds, particular one, though, you're saying I do agree that yeah, it, it does sound like it sounds like Yasuri Sonori yeah, Matsuda, Mits- yeah. but who it Trigger. Yeah. but generally the soundtrack has these like uh, synth washes and, and things that really kind of make it stand out. A lot of like echoey tracks. Okay, and this was Jeremy Soul's the first game that he ever worked on. Right, and he was 19. Okay, he was. V- really, really new into it. He had 19 and writing a uh, SquareSoft yeah, art right? Yeah, yeah exactly.
2: If,
3: if I may, I just want to read this little blurb from this interview with the um, sure the lead programmer Brian Fedro talking about Jeremy Sewell. He was 19. He said, what, "What was really great about Jeremy was his ability to economize and yet still produce great sound and music. Imagine being a guy who was used to full-featured MIDI keyboards with huge banks of digital instruments." To the point that you can almost single-handedly produce a vast orchestral piece. Then imagine you get a job writing low fidelity SNES sound and music for strange (laughs) and clunky proprietary software fitting into memory smaller than a single cluster on a modern PC's hard drive. Most people would sit down and cry and then go out and find another job. Not Jeremy. He muttered a bit and then made it work. So he it's he sounds like (laughs) he really sounds like a genius, you know. Mm -hmm. He kinda has like this thing about him where I just feel like. This guy knew what he was doing from the very beginning. And it's a beautiful soundtrack.
0: Well, I mean, back in the day, and we've talked about this before, but you had to be not only a composer, but you also had to be a technician in a lot of ways. And that's just the way it was back then. I mean, like the NES was all coded in assembly language. There were no real drivers or anything like that, so to speak. It's not until the Super Nintendo era I would say, like, maybe Amiga, Super Nintendo, where everything was coded by drivers and and whatnot. And now everything has a system. So it's not that creative element. I I think that I kind of feel like gaming music specifically has really lost its edge in a lot of ways aside from people that are doing old-school sounding stuff with new technology because they want to intentionally recreate that. Yet you've got composers that are still doing, like, a lot of the stuff that they did back in the era, like um, Yuzo Koshiro, who worked on that game that Protect Me Night game that we played. I can't remember when we played that, but that soundtrack was all written in his original... Uh, driver that he for the NES I, right right which I think didn't his sister work on the Driver or so, some family member because that they, they, they have that whole group Yuzo Koshiro and his family yeah his sister's that. a sprite artist right right she, she does oh, artwork wow. for games cool. yeah. yeah isn't that cool yeah his whole family works in right. video games yeah yeah so pretty Neat. nifty yeah so yeah this game I really wanted to like this
1: game but just I don't know what it was about it I I, I it's got I, a certain appeal I, I think it I 100. I really expected. a a lot more of a Secret of Mana influence I mean I think I I think I rented it when I was a kid and I think I played through a little bit of it and was like this is not similar enough for me to really continue to enjoy critiques people gave it. Yeah, if, if, if I hadn't played Secret of Mana and enjoyed it so much mm-hmm. and I played Secret of Evermore first, yeah. I probably would have given it more of a chance. But it's kind of like, you know, when your favorite band releases a second album yeah, yeah, and it yeah. sounds different. Yeah. Even though it's yeah. good, yeah. if you're not if, you, if you're not expecting that different True. sound... It's not, what you just, you,
3: it's not what drew you to it, you to it in the first place. Right, right, right. And then sometimes you go back to it
1: years later listen to that same album and you're like, mm. oh, this is pretty good because right. now yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. to expect from right, it. So, right, right. So, you know, that might happen if it went back I to game, The first perspective...
0: Yeah, right. I just think I have such a weird perspective on this game because, again, I never played Secret of Mana. I didn't go into Secret of Evermore with that feeling of an expectation. It was kind of like, oh, this game looks cool. It's got a dog. Yeah. Let yeah. let me play it. And then I was I literally fell asleep within ten minutes of playing. Wow. And it was the wow. middle of the day. It wasn't like it was late at night. So it was like. So you're not saying that figuratively, you actually- I'm saying also. recently, I'm saying like within the past year. Like you, you I passed out,
3: dropped the controller, drooled on yourself? I,
0: not to that <laughs> level, I would say it was more one of those like nodding off sort of things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't believe I'm nodding off to this game, like I literally just put it in, I started playing it. But that's happened so many times with RPGs, that's why it's really it happens difficult. Happens to me too, yeah. yeah.
3: Playing
1: the games at 3 a.m. after taking Benadryl would probably solve that (laughs) issue, though. Yeah, yeah, Yeah.
3: true. I've fallen asleep (laughs) during any RPG myself.
1: Yeah. Jeremy Sewell himself is an extremely prolific artist. Since this game was released in 1995, he's released at least three games a year. From right. 96 until 2014. Oh, wow. But never, wow. another never another Super Nintendo game. Never right. another Super Nintendo game, Yeah. Immediately okay. after Secret of Evermore, we started doing some PC games like the Freddy Fish and Pazama, uh, Pajama Sam okay. and Putt-Putt, those, those kids games. Yeah. They out in like the 3DO and the PC and all that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Total Annihilation, Revenant, Icewind Dale. So we did a lot of the stuff for like Bethesda and uh, a lot of the uh, RPG mm-hmm. stuff for, for PCs. A couple of licensed games, Rugrats of Paris, the Harry Potter games on the GBA okay. and the GameCube. Uh, Star Wars Paris. games, like a lot of symphonic stuff. Right. A lot he's of the, the Warhammer games. Right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Dungeon Siege, Unreal 2, Warhammer, Elder Scrolls 4, Oblivion, Jeez. Guild Wars. He's worked on music for Warcraft, World of Warcraft, Dead Rising 3, he did one song for. Okay. Dota 2 was the last uh soundtrack that came out. And he's got two Upcoming soundtracks for a game called Landmark, and the next EverQuest game, he's working on the music for that okay. as well. So, hugely successful yeah. composer, and it's amazing that he got his start on a little Super Nintendo game yeah. from Square. Interesting. Did not know that. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. Well, our next game, I don't know, This some
0: guy wrote this track, and it's from, I don't know, some, some Zelda game.
1: Kaji Yeah,
0: something like that. Kanda- I don't know. Let's, let's just give it a listen. All right, this yeah. is Zelda. Welcome back. That was Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past for the Super Nintendo. And that was the end theme slash credits. That's actually more the credits than the end theme. I consider it the end theme, I would say. But it, it's pretty much it's the staff role. It plays with the credits of the game. It's a very somber feeling when you beat this game. I mean, I remember getting hyped again for this game Nintendo Power I was reading about the game I read the comic book that had (laughs) come out in every issue and it when I got the game actually this was the first game I've talked about this game before but this was the first game that I ever pre-ordered and I remember holding the slip, waiting in line yeah. when the game came out at Toys R Us, and because wow. that's where you went to pre-order games back then. I mean, this was really, to me, the only way. Th- this and KB, KB Toys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're living in the United States, th- those are pretty much the two places you went to pre-order games.
3: When did this game come out?
0: This came out 91. Uh, I mean, won, oh, know. it was in early. Yeah. Isn't oh, yeah. Yeah. 91. November 21st, 1991. It was definitely a holiday release. And I remember holding the ticket, waiting in line, getting the game, sitting down and playing through it. And it was definitely one of the first games that... Actually, now that I think about it, was definitely the first Super Nintendo game that I beat, aside from Final Fight, if I ah, recall. Yeah, That's a cool memory. And I just remember it being a very, like, large experience. Mm-hmm. Sure. And that you beat the game, and you kind of, like, had this, like... Wave of like this breath of fresh air, like I did it. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, Ganon was so yeah, hard. Because yeah. you, you get to Ganon and he's just ridiculously hard it in is this a game if you don't know the pattern. Battle, yeah.
3: yeah, I vaguely remember. It's yeah. been a long time.
0: I mean, you beat Ganon and then you're kind of given this showcase of uh, all the characters that you met throughout the game, and you know, like your uncle comes back and everybody's all happy and cheerful, and this is the theme that you hear is not this theme, but the music that you hear is very uplifting. It's like you did yeah. it, congratulations.
2: The
1: the and oh, then as, right. as you and Zelda are walking through the town, she trips over a rock, bangs her face and dies. Right, yeah. right, right, yeah.
0: It's my yeah, favorite part. Yeah, of the game. yeah. spoilers. But it happens spoilers. in every Zelda game, doesn't it? <laughs> spoilers, Zelda dies.
3: Yeah. yeah. No. That sounds like that sounds more like the ending of an Earthworm Gen game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cow Perfect.
0: falls on
2: her. <laughs> <laughs> Ow. Ow, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you beat the game credits roll and this is what you hear and it's it's a very quiet somber kind of like you, it builds you, quite a yeah it does build and, and, and it introduces the main overworld legend is all the theme yep. towards the end of this song but i just think it has a very it's a very like final moment and it's it at that age i can remember like beating the game and then being like now what right because no other zelda game came out at least in america But after that, you were kind of like, is that it? Like, is Zelda done? And then, of course, they, years later, came out with on the N64, Ocarina of Time.
3: When did Link's
0: Awakening come out? That's a good point. Link's Awakening came out, I think, maybe two years? Two years later? Yeah, no, two years later, after, yeah, if I recall. Because Link to the Past came out, and then they used the same art design and style for for that. Yeah, for Link's Awakening. So, yeah, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past is definitely one of my favorite games of all time.
3: Understood. Yes. Definitely
0: understand that. Yes. (laughs) So Koji Kondo was the guy that wrote this track. We've talked a million times about him in the past, but Mario, Zelda, you know, he's done pretty much almost every game aside from some of the newer games for Mario and Zelda.
1: And now he does sound oversight for Nintendo. Yeah, him and and Hip Tanaka, (laughs) uh,
0: Hirokazu, Hip Tanaka, both kind of entered
1: into this, like, fatherly
0: like yeah,
3: definitely
1: watch over so Hirokazu tunaka actually you know he owns his own company but he I think I think he does do a lot of oversight with music specifically for like games that have remade music that he's already done right
3: you know And stuff so like Koji
0: Kondo that. is kind of the same thing as far as that goes
1: yeah.
3: the Godfathers of Nintendo music
1: yes very true
0: what's
3: another big one that, that Kondo has done though because I only think of Mario and
1: Zelda 1999, Mario Golf was the first game he was listed as a supervisor for, and after that, it was mostly sound support uh, and supervision.
3: Right.
0: Yep, yep.
1: So it's been quite a while since he's actually done like composition. real composition. Yeah. I believe he's doing something for the upcoming Super Mario Maker game. He's, he's actually composing the
0: soundtrack. Mario Maker soundtrack. That's really cool. That's his kind of return to composition. Yeah, that'll be interesting. He yeah. 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 had
3: no uh, Super Smash Brothers. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm
0: sure he did some kind of arrangement of some sort of supervision for Super sure. Smash Brothers, all those games, but this will be his actual first foray. Arrangement. Right. So, yeah. Right. I think that, well, I'm not really at all interested in Super Mario Maker. I'm not picking it up, yeah. but, um, you yeah.
1: know. only yeah. Nintendo game I'm excited about, actually.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's, that's really, <laughs> that's, us. That's, that's, that
1: <laughs> that's totally true. Yeah, you're not, you're not excited about Star Fox at all? No? Nah. No? Nah, I played the SNES game, but that was the only one in the series I really cared about. Poop. You know, whatever. Yeah. Bunch of guys flying ships. Hey, Anyways, bunch of bunch of off
0: anthropomorphic <laughs> men and women. You Thank like you. those furries nah, <laughs> <you> not <know. laughs> <laughs> Alright, moving on to another Nintendo track. Well, Nintendo System track. Yeah. This is Mother
1: 3. Yeah, you're gonna hear a lot of kind of parallels between the Zelda track That's true. and the Mother 3 track, and that this is a very slow building, and by the end it sounds very different than how it started. So this is called 16 Melodies. This is from Mother 3 on the Game Boy Advance from Shogo Sakai. Do you? so good. Your so so soundtrack.
0: Good. You're, you're a soundtrack.
1: I, I kind of gush over it every time we play a track from it, but I just That's can't right. say enough good things about it.
0: I've been gushing over Zelda and Chrono Trigger, so... That's true. That's you know, true. It's all you, man.
1: You know, Mother 3 was the never-released-in-America, never-officially-released-in-America sequel to Earthbound. That's crazy, man. I mean, there's so many people clamoring
0: for this game to yeah. come out, and they've been clamoring it. I mean, even when the game came out in game Boy, uh, for the Game Boy Advance, the original release. I remember like hearing on the internet, because at that point the internet was fully formed and people were on and people were informed and there was even like huge petitions where yeah. they like hmm. made a scrapbook of like earthbound stuff and they sent it to Nintendo and Nintendo was like
2: Okay,
1: alright. We got it. We heard it. It's you just... want the game. We're not coming out with it. There's so, so much in this game that would not jive with they would have to what sensor. Nintendo does in America, they would have to censor. But, but censoring it would really ruin, ruin yeah. the game. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's the thing. Now the climate is right because the people that are clamoring for it are older now. You mm-hmm. know, you could justify it as being maybe. A,
0: Do you think it's like a xenocentric type
1: thing? No, not no. at all. I no. mean, there are because there's some hot button topics in the game because right. you you well, for one, there's an amazing English translation done by fans. It's right. already out there. Yeah, um, and I know Nintendo. <laughs> unfortunately it's like when people do that they do Mm -hmm. it for the love of the game and to get more awareness but when people do those translations Nintendo tends to just not do the game because A it's already been released in the US and B there's like Lawsuit issues or copyright issues yeah. between like do we use the same translation as the fans did, right. or, you know How do we rewrite it right. better than when what somebody already done, did it, it. Makes more
0: work for them right right? And I mean there's no way to not prove that they didn't do it aside from maybe slightly changing a word or two here, Yeah, there, exactly. I, and, I just think that There is no official like guy that did this right for the
1: translation. His name is tomato. He goes by the name. He does tomato. okay Yeah, all right and, you know, he he's done some translation projects in the past and, okay. and since this one, but he he had a couple of helpers, but from what I understand, he did like 90% of the work and Sheldon, did the whole game by himself. So it's like, how are you going to pay somebody to... You know? Right, that's the thing, you yeah. either give him royalties and release the version right. that he did, but then that means that, you know... Do you open that door and let anybody who wants to make an English translation of a Japanese game? I think it depends. Do that kind, of, and it's got to be a. I think different developers I just think have it's a different, situation Nintendo doesn't want to get themselves into.
0: Nintendo is very Japan centric, and they're also very. They, they're on a higher platform, I think, than their fans in a lot of ways. They're not on an even-keeled level like some of the smaller publishers and developers like XSEED, you know, those... Uh, not Sumit. Right. Those those publishers and developers that are kind of, of, of like, sure. hey, you know, we'll talk to you on Twitter, that sort of thing. Nintendo is very much a corporation. And so a lot of these companies, like even Sega, I think, is, is much more on, on the same level as their fans in a lot of ways. And they're trying to make that relationship, you know, more, you know friendly. the Same thing with Capcom when they released that fan-made Mega Man game. Here's a Mega Man game that's actually a really decent game, Mega Man X Street Fighter, and they were like, "Hey, let's do something special. This guy already did it. We'll probably pay him a very small amount and just release the game." Yeah, and and, yeah. and you know, it, I mean, that's just the way it is. Unfortunately, is Nintendo is a corporation. They are a company. They are out to make money. And once you understand that and get that bottom line, you kinda also can get back to Mother Three and be like, oh now I get why it's not gonna yeah, come out. Yeah. I think now is the perfect time though, because there's no way. They saw Earthbound Zero and I'm sure that game sold very well for Nintendo when they released it on the virtual console. Yeah. So mm.
1: Mother Three, there's a there's a group of, like, magical beings called the Magypsies (laughs) in Mother 3, and they are transsexuals or cross-dressers. You know, they don't go that in-depth as to... But it's basically, like, they're obviously males dressed like females, and Um, it's a very hot-button topic in America right right now, you know? And so I think that's probably one of Nintendo's kind of qualms with it is they don't want they 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 try to stay out of that political stuff yeah. as much as possible and yeah. they don't really want to get into that. That you can't do and that anymore though. I don't care, yeah. you know, whatever. I mean, I love the game and I love yeah. that kind of aspect of sure, it. Sure. You have these unique characters and it kind of brought that that whole thing to the foreground. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I just think that's probably one of one of the main reasons why they're they're so hesitant to kind of bring it out officially over here.
0: I think that there's a specific audience for it though. I don't think it's like a situation like Tomodachi Life where you had a very public game that got huge press and people were upset that you couldn't have same sex marriages and same sex marriages and I think it's becoming a situation where you can't avoid that topic because it's out in the open. You know, you've got even the United States government, you know, saying, hey, you know, same-sex couples can marry. Yeah. So I don't think... I think they're afraid of upsetting a very Western audience that maybe is a little bit more not okay yeah, with yeah. that sort of thing. I think that is the big thing. They, that, well,
1: also, it, when, when The, the Three that, First came out, right. that, that whole environment wasn't like that. Right. It was a much less or a much more hostile environment right. towards, you right. know, LGBT people. True, so, I true. think the
3: gaming community tends to be a little more liberal anyway. So true. I don't think they'd really be upsetting the people in the way that they think I'll they tell might. that to Game of game But, the, but th- you know.
2: <laughs> well, I'd say generally. I mean, you,
3: I you can't look at
0: us as gamers, though. You have to... Nintendo's looking at us as people who are buying these games. People who have money. Mm -hmm. And that's the way they're looking at it. So they have to do everything they can to not make anybody angry.
1: And I think that is... So they very... released Metroid Federation Force, so. right? Exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so, anyways, I picked uh, this track from the end of Mother 3 because it just kind of demonstrates a, a wide variety of the sounds that you hear throughout mm-hmm. the game. Like I've, I've said in the past, there's like 270 tracks. Yeah, it's game. crazy. And they're all <laughs> yeah. different different genres, all written by Shogo Sakai, one dude. Uh, who worked closely with the development team. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like he was just working from a home studio where a lot of composers do that kind of thing. He was there in the fray with the developers as the game was being made. Had a very close point of contact with Shigesatsu Itoi, the director of the game. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's why the music fits so, so well. And, uh, you know, we were talking about the, you know, the piano samples Beautiful. and then the it drums sounds, and the Hammond organ. It all sounds so authentic. It
0: sounds like a Super Nintendo track until those pianos come in. The piano in.
1: is amazing. It blew me away when I first heard it.
0: Absolutely. The piano is fantastic in this song.
1: This is what I like to call a clean rip version, where there's a method where you can take away all of the static it's that it, is right. on the, the Game Boy Advance hardware. Mm-hmm. Uh, this kind of uses a different method, it kind of turns it into an actual MIDI file right. and removes all of that, that stuff away from it. So it really kind of brings the truth sound that I think uh, yeah, sure Sakai wanted the songs to sound like before it had to be imported into the Game Boy Advance
0: yeah, I think the Game Boy all the Game Boys were very abrasive sounding until up until the DS I would say, Yeah, oh, and yeah. so especially with the Game Boy Advance, I would say just there, there's just a lot of that stuff, as you know, is very unrippable, yeah. you cannot pull it, or at least nobody has developed an engine to pull it so a lot of people I know on your forum get upset because you can't Pull those Game Boy Advance tracks, and it's like, sorry, like it, there's no system to be able to do it. That's right, not right, our fault. Exactly. So it's
3: very, very limited, unfortunately. That's so, a shame. Did you um, guys, sorry, didn't you guys do a Game Boy Advance episode earlier on? We, we did. did. We did.
0: And those were the only. Yeah. Well, yeah, not the only. It was, a,
3: it was a mix because some yeah. of the songs
1: I could do that that clean rip style, mm-hmm. and we actually had a disclaimer during that episode that said some songs mm-hmm. might sound a little less clean right. than the other songs do. There was a
0: lot of uh, stuff that I wanted to pick from, specifically the Buffy, the Vampire right, Slayer, yeah, Wrath of the Dark all. Hall King, and I wanted to review that game. And you are my sound guy when it comes to music to rip game soundtracks for my episodes. Was, uh, that was a Yamashita game.
1: soundtrack, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. a Kino
0: Yamashita soundtrack that she did. And it's very Castlevania-ish. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, you gotta get this. I want to review this game. And, and I searched. Dude, you haven't ripped this game? Dude, you haven't ripped this game. <laughs> I looked forever on YouTube to try to see if I can get it. Mm. And there is literally no reviews of this game. It's just Let's Plays mm. with people like,
3: Recording their TV.
0: Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, Buffy's gonna yeah. jump up to the Buffy's floor. gonna jump, I'm gonna jump. Uh it was good. <laughs> so there's a lot of that in, in in on YouTube, unfortunately, for this game, but that is another game that I would be like, Man, we gotta get this soundtrack, but we can't, and that's yeah. really
1: frustrating. So also. fortunately Mother Three used yeah, that because exactly we, exactly we were able to that's great able to get a good clean rip of it. So anyways, moving to talk about that. Our next game is actually your final pick. Can be pronounced one of two ways.
0: Yeah, Cam, you, you picked this track. So how do you call this I've, game? I call it Crystallis. Crystallis. So you pronounce the T. I do. Okay. So... Oh, you don't pronounce the T? No, it's Chrysalis. No, I thought you no, just pronounced it no, 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 Chrysalis. No, Chrysalis, no, chrysalis
3: no... is a different word. There is no T in the word Chrysalis.
0: Right, but that's what I'm saying is uh, the way I pronounce it is Chrysalis. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right. Yeah. I pronounce it Crystallis along with... Well, here. well, you guys are weird.
0: Okay. Alright, so anyways, this, this is, is the NES. Whichever way you want.
1: <laughs> the NES game, Crystal, Crystalis Crystallis, the ending theme from Yoko Osaka.
0: back that was chrysalis Cristalis, Chris. what was the other pronunciation it's Cristalis. just put the t in there yeah we, uh, during during
1: <laughs> well while the song was playing we uh we looked up a official commercial from snk on youtube Fun commercial And they do pronounce it Crystallis. You can't go by commercials because... Yeah, you can't go by what the company tells you it's pronounced. I mean, you just gotta go
0: with your gut. I'll tell you why, because what about um, uh, that stupid Kool-Aid commercial? The Nintendo
1: Kool-Aid commercial? Metroid 2 Return of Samus? Oh, yeah. Right, but that was was Kool-Aid doing a commercial with a Nintendo character. This is the actual company pulling out their own product.
0: And what about Super Castlevania 4? The the promo commercial? Before the
1: game was released? Yeah. Intended only for... Industry insiders Yeah Well that's Answers that question Well right Crystallis there, so. just
3: sounds Cooler anyway I, I know mean...
1: Sounds like Expensive champagne Yeah <laughs> <laughs> I almost
0: did a spit take
1: there Fortunately <laughs> it's not a $300 cartridge to buy So yeah, don't worry about that Quite oh, a bit man. less oh, So Cam tell us about this
3: game You should to have The most experience with it This is easily One of my favorite All time games I put it above Zelda Damn. A, lot, a lot of people have. Nobody puts Zelda in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I mean, it, it has a it has a very Zelda feel. It's more fast paced. Your character runs around a lot faster. Um, it also kind of has a Secret of Mana sort of feel to it. Only it's one character.
0: It is much faster mm-hmm. paced than Zelda. It is. I I'll mean, give
3: your you character is run, yeah. just running around, and you yeah. can move in all directions. You know, diagonally, and I I think my biggest
0: problem with the with this game is it feels too zoomed in. And I kind of want to pull it back, really? like Zelda. Yeah, like the atmosphere and the areas that you're in. I always felt like you were. It, it's a top down game, and you play as this guy wearing like mostly purple, purple like a white, purple yeah. bandana or whatever, mm-hmm. black bandana, purple hair or whatever. You're you're going around, and you're you move very fast, but yeah. it, it it feels like the camera needs to be pulled back just a little bit. So you could see a little bit more because I always felt like enemies kind of like were like, oh my God, there's an enemy. It oh, wasn't I, like I know what you're
3: saying. It, I would say I would say in the in the dungeons, yeah. probably. It, it was, was it was
0: more twitchy. It wasn't like Zelda, yeah, where there was strategy sure. where it was like, okay, I see that guy. He appeared right out of right. Over there, I gotta go figure out how to approach this enemy and beat him. Mm-hmm. It felt very much more twitch-like gameplay, like more Mega Man style, where it's like, oh my god, there's an enemy, yeah. I
3: need to kill him. It's definitely more action-oriented uh, than the first Zelda. But I love, I love the the charge mechanic where you charge your sword and you have a projectile. Yeah, and you can move up different levels to get like different. Kind of like Newtopia too. I'm not
0: sure. Newtopia um, is a uh, Turbo Graphics game and there were two, it was the, supposed to be the Zelda killer on uh, on the Turbo uh, graphics, and it obviously wasn't, mm-hmm. but they came out with two games, and I, I believe there's a similar mechanic in terms of charging yeah, that yeah. there is in Chrysalis, but I like how you can charge in Chrysalis, and you could just, what I would always do with Chrysalis, is I would, Crystalis Chrysalis, I would always uh, attack <laughs> with, with the music. <laughs> <laughs> so like there was a very distinct like drum sound in most SNK the drums yeah. were always really yeah, tight yeah, yeah. in most SNK yeah. NES games and so I would the song was the <laughs> <laughs> <inaudible> right and so I would always go on the downbeat with the do huh. with. and so I would attack enemies with that Playing that game. You were
1: playing, playing music based games before? I, mean, I know, I really crazy.
0: was. It's, I was making my own, man. <laughs> you, were, you did that because it was just sort of like a tick you had yeah, to do? Yeah, it, it or, was like a. You couldn't help it. I could not help it. Yeah. It was like it was like the Flashman level, like what we were talking about last episode.
1: Yes. It was like the Flashman level. Making them dance while shooting guys. Yeah, making them dance
0: while shooting guys, and I would time it so that. So eventually I got to the point where I could not play Chrysalis like that. Because I would try to advance in the game, but I couldn't attack. (laughs) You know, in the beginning of the game, you can do that. You can kind of, there's a guy, okay, attack him, move on, listen to the music, you know, time it perfectly. And then it got to the point where Chrysalis became a lot more involved, and there was like keys and like stuff you had to go get. That's one of the things
3: I love about it. It it actually has a very um, sort of Metroid, I don't want to use the... (sighs) <sighs> Metroidvania term. I hate that term. Thank you. It's not linear. Oh it's not linear. It, no, but it has it has a um, it nope, has the mechanic where nobody likes, where nobody likes to, Metroidvania. <laughs> to to progress to the, like the next area, you have to like solve a certain puzzle. Yeah. You have to find a certain item to get there. Mm-hmm. And and if you wander too far, you can't hurt the enemies. Right. So like if your level isn't quite high enough, you mm-hmm. go to a new a new area, mm-hmm. and your the enemies will just deflect your weapon. So, oh, okay. so you have to like get strong enough to get there first. Yeah. Um, level grinding. Yeah, there is a lot of it in there, but from what I can recall, 16 is your max level, but, I think. You only the, get to a certain level, and then you're you're done. The game up. stays fresh
0: enough, though, that right. that you don't really feel like you're grinding. It just kind yeah. of feels like, oh, I'm just playing the game. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. having fun. So, yeah. yeah.
3: Interesting. It's Plus, a good what, game. What other games can you name where you can ride a dolphin? That's true. Star Tropics? Can you ride Can a dolphin? You? I don't know. Never played I it. Never it. Tried. Sounds like a game you'd ride a dolphin in. <laughs> you
2: sound like a
0: game I'd ride a dolphin in. There's
3: another one, man.
0: I'll ride your dolphin. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ride uh, your your slippery.
1: So Cam is the new permanent host on Thrift Tunes Radio. Ride your cur- curved. <laughs> d- Just stop right there, bro.
3: Digging yourself deeper, um, right, Well, the soundtrack, metaphorically
1: speaking. Yeah.
3: Please, real speaking. Yeah. <laughs> The soundtrack is, is is really good. It's got a lot of cool stuff. It doesn't. It's not one of the better sounding, I would, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Um, and I don't have a whole lot of experience with SNK. Uh, I, I know Baseball Stars, the first Baseball Stars game. The
0: instrumentation is very <laughs> Baseball Stars. Yeah, uh, like I said, too. most SNK games have a very, like, I don't want to say anthemic feel to them, hmm. but they sound... They have a very specific sound. It's not quite sunsoft, heavy with with like bass heavy type stuff like mm-hmm. sunsoft, but it's not tinny sounding like a lot of the Konami stuff that some of Konami's games come out mm-hmm. with like the lead synths are like the prominent yeah. part. I I would say it's like a really nice pleasant mix, but it has like this weird like anthemic sort of sound to it. Yeah. I can't just dis- describe it, but Like, you hear POW or you hear Guerrilla War or, like, any SNK, Famicom, Mm -hmm. or NES game. uh, POW has a fantastic soundtrack, but it's also one of those that has, like, a very kind of, like, militant, subdued kind of, like, Mm -hmm. you know, it has its moments of, like, highs and lows in terms of the sound. But Crystals, I, I haven't gotten that far enough in... In, in terms of gameplay yeah. so it's like i only know that one track and like uh the cave track when you're in the main cave yeah
3: what's one thing I, that you mentioned that there's one thing i really like about it the tracks really fit the areas that they're mm-hmm. played in yeah especially, you were mentioning that about the ending especially oh yeah with the like the dungeons and, and stuff they really like there's one there's several dungeon tracks actually but mm-hmm. one in particular has this it feel it almost feels damp okay like you like you really feel like you're in i mean it's like an old yeah. this game but somehow really manages to capture the kind of like ease
0: the use track from ease 3 Wander from ease mm-hmm. the one where you're Fighting uh, the very first cave that you go into. It's oh got be there. careful. Yeah, be careful. Yeah, yeah Yeah, that track
3: this particular track It represents that the ending of this game is one of my favorite moments in video games Yeah, talk to us about that the, the way that the way the end is it's it really it really I mean, I could speak from my personal experience. Right? No, only. absolutely. But like the feeling. of no, like you that... Speak from my experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell us what shot. Ed was like yeah. as a child. I'll give it I a know you've never. The sense of accomplishing, you know, like beating it and really feeling like you accomplished something, is really tremendous at the end. At the end, after you beat the boss, the ending sequence is really, really. Um, it kind of. It has. I have this like emotional, like nostalgic okay. feel to it, and the track really. Once it starts playing, it's kind of like two parts of the track. And the mm-hmm. first part is like, uh, yes, you know, you beat the boss. I did it. Yeah. And then the rest of it is just kind of like reflecting on the journey.
0: Okay. Is and there like, like in Super Castlevania Four how there's like visuals there's of little, the there's past? Little, there's little, there's okay. like sort
3: of like cut scenes with, okay. that are actually have some animation in them and stuff. Ooh, it's pretty cool. Like Ninja Gaiden type stuff? Yeah. Okay, cool. So yeah, they're, really there cool. is like that. And then, and then the end of the track is timed with this, um, I mean, this is a little spoiler, I guess. I yeah. guess we've had a few of those. Spoilers. Yeah, but at the very end, once you, the end, the end portion of the game takes place in this uh, floating tower. Okay. And you, once you, once you finish, it shows in the background, the tower kind of, sinking down into the horizon, mm-hmm. and there's this beautiful color picture of your character with uh, Mejia, one of the characters in the game. Mm-hmm. And you just stand there and watch the, the, the floating fortress kind of descend. It's
0: super casting before and the and ending, and then, basically.
3: And then the music just kind of like the very end, like the last 20 seconds of the track, mm-hmm. and then that final three-note flourish at the end. It's just like, and then the end goes across the screen, it's just like... It sounds it's, very dramatic. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's it's probably just me and my experience with the game. But oh, like, no, no. But the Everybody. track combined with that last, like, that that graphic, mm-hmm. really colorful, nice graphic, is just, like,
0: so beautiful. To yeah, be cool. no, Super <laughs> Castlevania 4, I, I think I kind of feel the same way. Yeah. Zelda, Link to the Past, the, the one really specific image from Link to the Past that I have is the house in the background that it settles on. There's a house in the sunset that you kind of it kind of focuses on it's like way in the distance but it's like anytime i see anything like that in real life where you have like a really beautiful sunset and you have like one house, like just on a hill or something like that. I immediately think of Link to the Past. Hmm. So it's like these images that are based on like real life things in most cases that you kind of fall back on. You're like, yeah. oh, I you not know, remember that.
1: So the song was composed or the soundtrack was composed by Yoko Osaka. She was definitely a SNK employee right. um, up until about 1994. She started in 87 with Touchdown Fever And Guerrilla War on the NES. Great game. Uh, Ikari 3 The Rescue in 89. And she moved over to Neo Geo Sound for NAM. NAM 1975 and 1990. She did the sound effects and the music for Crystallis on the NES in 90 as well. And then moved back over to Neo Geo for Fatal Fury, Alpha Mission 2, Super Sidekicks, Fatal Fury 2, Sengoku 2, and then Top Hunter, Roddy, and Kathy in 1994. And then she turned into a ninja. Poof! Oh, never happens. heard from her again. Yeah.
0: Want well. no, that's a shame. Well, that's
1: how a lot of Japanese composers. There's a lot of good Neo Geo soundtracks and... there too. Very different to compose for those systems than it is for the NES. Very true. So she did both very, very well. Cool. I have very little experience with those, so I, I don't. I wouldn't recognize this. We're anymore. gonna do a Neo Geo episode soon. I've just decided that right now.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say I was like, yeah <laughs> i missed. Mean,
1: did you like drug me and like, yeah, no, I'll do it. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I was going to represent, brah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you were wearing, I was wearing like uh, the DK tie
1: somehow. Nothing but a DK, nothing tie. but a DK shirt. You got but me. a new Geo shirt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it worked out. It worked out. All right, so from Crystallis, Crystallis, Crystallis. No. Crystalis, we're moving on to another NES game. We've heard from this one in the past, but this has an excellent soundtrack from Iku Mizutani and Koichi Yamanishi. This is Shadow of the Ninja. was Shadow of the
0: Ninja. Also known as Kage, or Yami no Shigotonen Kage, and also known as Blue Shadow in Europe. Right. Because they didn't say the word ninja for whatever reason. For whatever reason. I have no idea. I
1: don't know. Maybe, Maybe it should have been Shadow of the Hero, like they did with Hero <laughs> Turtles. <laughs> yeah, teams meeting Hero, Hero Turtles. Turtles. <laughs> yeah. Shadow
0: of the Ninja, this was my pick. I love the end theme to this track. It's It's got this, like, sweeping kind of, like, whoosh, sweeping, almost like a guitar slide. Yeah, just a... So a bass slide. Like the yeah, of the yeah, back of the exactly. And so, Ikumizutani and Koichi Yamanishi, that's, that's like, their bread and butter. And it, it's kind of got this build to it where it's, like, this very slow-paced part that's right at the end of the game. You, you beat the, the main bad guy who's basically called Emperor Garuda. And so you... you destroyer you kill garuda he's kind of like dying and it's kind of crazy because they they show him like so the ninjas leave or whatever they they stop showing the ninjas after a while and it's just like a shot of garuda with his like chest open up and he's like dying or whatever and that that's there for like a pretty long time it's kind of like one of those final moments in the game where you you're like it's it's kind of like you don't ever see like, a bad guy dying in a video game. Like, they usually get... They usually explode. explode Or disappear. Or disappear. They fade out or whatever. Or you just see their head, and it,
1: like, floats to
0: the bottom of the screen. Right. Or
3: their face explodes. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. Like in
0: Bionic Commando. (laughs) But you don't really see that that often, especially in the Nintendo game, where they get sliced open, and they're just there, and they drop, and they're dead. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. So it's a very, like, finite, you know, final moment. It's closure. It's closure, exactly. And so after that it kind of wraps up the you know the track it's you know kind of has the sustain and then it kind of ends and it fades and then you just hear the the hi-hat that
3: counts,
0: counts it in and then you get this really awesome rocking metal track that plays and it's just totally ikumizutani yeah. just blowing up the spot man and so Ikumizutani Mizutani and Koichi Yamanishi worked actually quite a bit together. They both worked on Dragon Fighter, which is, as I've said before, an excellent NES soundtrack. They did work on Shatter Hand together, both Natsume-produced games, or developed games, so... Separately, they've both also kind of done some separate work as well. Again, we talked about them already in the Ninja episode when we, when we played Shadow of the Ninja. So, yeah, it's just a really fun game. You play as... One of two ninjas, basically girl ninja or guy ninja. Shadow or ninja. Shadow or ninja, right. <laughs> Whichever you prefer, and they get different weapons, different... It's it's kind of similar to Ninja Crusaders, if you've ever played that for the Nintendo. Very similar. Never played Ninja Crusaders. Never you... heard of it. No really? No, no, no. A game developed by Sammy? I know it was published by Sammy. Well,
1: that explains <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god.
0: I don't want to talk about Ninja Crusaders, because it's going to get me angry. Don't talk about Ninja Crusaders. Yeah, no. I'll just table flip. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, this game does have a story. It takes place in the year 2029. So in 14 years, from the date of this podcast being released, we'll be able to imagine what it's like in 2029. See if it actually happens. Yeah, if uh, the evil dictator, Emperor Garuda, has taken over the United States. and he he I built, left
1: now but who knows <laughs> yeah.
0: he he built a stronghold in the middle of the nation's quote unquote largest city New York i assume it's certainly not like Austin Texas i don't know it's pretty weird Peoria S- yeah <laughs> so you 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 play as either lord hayate or a lady Kade, or kaede or kaide i don't know I'm not Japanese, I'm sorry, I'm butchering these That whole names.
1: semester of Japanese <laughs> I'm just
0: saying, listen, I know how to say I'm a hamburger That's all I need to know <laughs> All right. So they basically get sent From the clan of Iga To not Koji Igarashi Either, it's actually a clan named Iga To infiltrate Garuda's Impregnable stronghold Yeah To assassinate him, and that's pretty much it So you go, you kill the dude, and then you peace out
1: That's basically your Nintendo storyline Yeah. And that's yeah. how deep they get Hey, hey, I'm Garuda,
0: okay with that. Is
3: Garuda perhaps like a large bird character? Or does he have wings or anything like that?
0: He is not, if I recall.
3: I think that's what a Garuda is. It's like
2: oh, it's is it? a big
0: like ninja a, dude. big bird. Cool. Natsume were also working on the Game Boy version of this and it got bought out or the rights were picked up by Tecmo and they just revised it to be a Ninja Gaiden uh, game. And that's Ninja Gaiden Shadow on the Game Boy. I reviewed that one. Good stuff. So yeah, this game came out in 1990. In Japan, came out in 1991. In America, in 1991. In Europe too. So it wasn't that usually like Europe games back then. There was pretty big distance between American releases and European releases.
1: Oh yeah, that time frame yeah. has gotten much smaller lately. Oh absolutely.
0: Yeah. Some games are even coming out in Europe before they come out in America, like yep. Yoshi's Woolly World. But yeah, no, it's a really good game. It's it's definitely a great action game if you have a Nintendo and you're an action platformer type of fan like Ninja Gaiden type stuff, definitely highly, highly recommended. This is one of my favorite NES soundtracks, so really good stuff. Just very upbeat and action-oriented aside from the end track, which then fades into something that is (laughs) action-oriented.
1: Yep, exactly. Good stuff. All right, let's move on to our last song of the show. This is Airzog for the TurboGrafx-16. This is the Staff Roll. Welcome back. That was Air Zonk for the Turbo Graphics 16, composed by Daisuke Morishima and Hisashi Matsushita.
0: I was going to make a joke about that game zonking me out, but it's a good yeah. track. That is
1: not a sleepy end song. No, no, well, no it's not the not that Zelda song. No,
0: <laughs> That's <sure>. no, no. <laughs> or the Chrono Trigger one. No, it's it's a very upbeat, fun happy track, and it pretty much matches the atmosphere of the game, okay. as you were saying, a cuneum up if you will.
1: Yeah, Daisuke Morishima worked on we've actually talked about him before, believe it or not, okay. uh, he worked on the the real the super real Mahjong game that we played on the X68000. Oh, jeez. Yeah, he was also responsible for Summer Carnival 92. Recca, All's a dick. Damn it!
0: <laughs> I always fall for that. Anytime anybody says the word Summer Carnival, I'm like, oh, Recca,
1: All's a dick. All's a dick. All's a dick. All's a dick. I like being All's all... All's a time. All's a time. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, my. So not only did he... Not only did Morishima work on the sound composition for Airzonk, but also programming as well. No, so oh, really. The game is fantastic. It's got graphics that look kind of like bonk but I, futurized if you can yeah, call that a word i'll just that's make that up exactly
0: what i was going to say is anytime i look at air zonk i think bonk
1: yeah same and same, zonk, bonk. same artists yeah. you know same same mm-hmm. design team for the most part except this is a shoot-em-up instead of a platformer right and zonk kind of became turbo technologies mascot like going forward once right. the turbo duo came out so they kind of tried to update and make their image a little bit cooler instead of having a caveman so they right. zonk is basically a like future cyborg version of bonk okay. same same head but with a lightning bolt in the middle of his face and sunglasses and you know i guess they felt that sonic was doing the cool thing for sega so they had to kind of keep up
0: i wonder what bonk would look like in if like turbo succeeded and they still made systems to this day i wonder what he would look like
1: I'd say pretty much the same, maybe. I mean, maybe 3D, but you know, Mario hasn't really changed too much since True. since like Mario three.
0: Uh, I would say no. Mario
1: sixty four was the last big big change, I'm trying to think because he was actually yeah. Memorable. Mario sixty four was the biggest. Yeah,
0: because he had a voice, and so he's pretty much always been the same since Mario sixty four. Yeah, yeah. You know?
1: So you know, with Bonk, it probably would have been around the same thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, Mario's basically the Mickey Mouse of video games, you know. Where Sonic is more the... Bugs I mean, Bunny? Bugs Bunny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a pretty fair estimate. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. Yeah. So what does that make Tails? Pluto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kinda. Wait, no. Tails <laughs> no, would... No. No.
3: Well, oh, or, wait, Warner we're Brothers still going characters. with the Warner Brothers Tails, Disney no. thing. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. so...
1: Tails would be... Who's the stupid... Elmer uh, uh, Fudd. Elmer <laughs> Fudd. <laughs> or Porky Pig. Yeah, One no, Porky two.
0: Pig. Porky Pig. Definitely Porky Pig. Yeah. <laughs> oh my so yeah air song's pretty good I really like this track I, I especially like the fun feel that it gives you uh with you've got these like really like brash scents that come in but it's more like a like fanfarish, like da, 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 oh, yeah, you know, like and then they've got the like almost like crashing to the ground, like
2: ah,
1: like the, you know, it's got a very um, children's anime, yeah, animated, to it. yeah, absolutely, with like you know, little sampled sound effects, little yeah. dog barks and right. quacks and stuff like it that. Kind of reminds really
3: me, it reminds me a little bit of the um, Rocket Knight soundtrack, yeah. a little bit, but yeah, the see the feel of it,
1: yeah, yeah, good. None of them worked on that though. Nope. So the other composer, Hisashi Matsushita. Worked on 1943 Kai, but who, who, who did, didn't back in the right. day, I guess. Yeah, yeah. W-Ring, Koryun, Child of Dragon, The Twisted Tales of Spike McFang, he did uh, sound effects for. Also worked on Super Real Mahjong P4, PIV, whatever you want to call it. Wizardry 3 and 4, Princess Quest, and Holy Umbrella, Dondera no Mubo in 1995. And that was the last we heard of Hisashi Matsushita, mm-hmm. another ninja. Poof, gone. All these composers that just go. (sighs) Gone. Done. Sadly. We are also gone. Yeah, that's our last track. It's a good ending on such an energetic note though. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. No, I'm not getting all weepy like Cristalis. Chrono Trigger. (laughs) Chrono Trigger. Yeah. Well we want
0: to thank Cam for joining us. Thank you for hopping the the border from (laughs) New York. Dealing with Connecticut. Connecticut traffic. Yeah, exactly.
3: Well, I'm obviously a big fan of what you guys are doing, and I'm honored to have been a, been part of it. You're part of it,
1: like so few, <laughs> the, the cherished few. Yes. Yeah, so when we have our secret guest host meetings, yes, yes, every <laughs> three years, we're <laughs> to invite you. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Just tell us your robe size. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Oh my. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for us. Yeah. For this episode and all others, you can check us out on youtube.com forward slash dongled, or just type in Pixel Tunes Radio. Pixel Tunes is one word. Radio is the second on YouTube. You can also check us out on iTunes and please give us a rating and give us a little review if you'd like just to let us know how we're doing and what you thought of the episode, what you thought of the show. That always helps because it gets the word out about the show and it kind of, you know, spreads the love. So spread
1: your love all over our faces
0: and the internet or
1: at least our webpages yeah you know yeah where else can you check us out you can check us out at pixel that is where we uh have both the youtube stream and an mp3 that you can download of our show uh you can also comment there and let us know what you like about the show you can check us out at facebook.com slash groups slash radio that is the main hub of all pixel Tunes radio activity Can post there all the time. I post there all the time. Mike posts there some of the time. (laughs) It's a fun place to be. It is and we share a lot of video game tracks that we've discovered and new video game news and you can come there and share video game tracks that you love and comment on our episodes so that the most recent episode will always be pinned to the top of the group so you can you know listen to the show and comment there and then you know if you scroll down a little bit is all the posts that us and our our friends and our group members have made and you can check out all the video game music related news and hubbub that's going on around the Pixel Tunes community. Yeah, the cool part about the
0: group is that you get to also post. It's not just us posting, it's not just the mega fans posting, but if you're like, hey, I want this, you know, I got this track that I've been meaning to share with somebody, and it's such a good song and I want to share it, you can do that on the Facebook group. You can talk about pretty much anything you want on there, as long as it's somewhat related to video games, we'll chime in and kind of talk to you. So, if you're one of those people that Listen to us and you're not on the Facebook group jump on because you never know what kind of conversations you can have and they usually end up turning into conversations about Mega Man Castlevania and Metroid so absolutely not? Uh,
3: <laughs> welcome yeah. back to Mega Man yeah. yeah if
1: you're a Mega Man fan it's the place to be
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> also join us at Pixel Tunes Radio on Twitter and uh, we announce new shows there and we take comments criticisms yeah death threats.
3: Yeah. All through Twitter. Oh, yeah. It's nice of you to accept all of those.
1: We do. We accept death threats with vim and vigor. You gotta. Maybe a little bit of vinegar. You're vinegar. (laughs) What? (laughs) I'm done. Alright, guys. We will see you in two weeks. Thank you again, Cameron, for joining us on the show. Thank you. And that's the end of
2: the end theme. (laughs)
1: Bye-bye. Bye. See ya.